Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi, we are motorsports writers for The Athletic. This is another one of our off-season podcasts as we whittle away the time here until the actual racing begins for the NASCAR season, which is coming up quickly, but probably not soon enough. So we have to have more filler content here, Jordan. Sorry about it's not uh, filler. This is this is filler. genuine, in-depth conversation about the happenings of going on in NASCAR. And I actually think we're kind of preparing for the show. I think we're doing a good job of kind of setting the table for 2022. So I, I don't know about you mailing it in, but I'm here and I'm ready to educate and uh, have a good discussion. Well, you know, I, I just, uh, you can only talk about what's going to happen so many times before it actually happens, but maybe we haven't milked that all yet. So uh, let's talk about this themed episode, <laughs> which is the top storylines of the 2022 NASCAR season. Now we have both uh, gone into our time machine and visited the future. And we had to sign a non-disclosure agreement when we came back to not say anything else about what will happen uh, in 2022 as a whole. So we can't tell you anything that's going on in politics or sports uh, aside from NASCAR, but we did get permission to each share three of these storylines that we uh, witnessed in the future. Um, and, you know, we just basically fast forwarded to the end of the year, saw what was happening, came back to report to you guys. So, um, I, I mean, I, I was fascinated by the future. Jordan, what, how did you feel about your visit? <laughs> uh, I came back smarter and now I know how to wager properly going forward. So I, this is going to be a very uh, financially beneficial thing for me. Yeah, we just don't want to let on. I mean, it's like <laughs> one of those things where they see that you – you know, they're like, this guy must know something. This, this guy's winning too much money. So uh, you don't want to let it on before they, they cut you off or something. But yeah, we, we do know a lot about what, what happens now, thanks to our time machine. Um, so, you know, first of all, what do we define as, as storylines, right? Like, um, let, let's think about the top storylines of 2021 in NASCAR. I mean, those would have been things like Kyle Larson dominating and, and Hendrick Motorsports overall being, uh, you know, winning the majority of the races, the development of the next-gen car. Uh, Kevin Harvick going winless and SHR, you know, sort of falling off a cliff with its performance, uh, sort of like all the new tracks on the schedule, the best season ever kind of thing. And maybe even Brad Kozlowski moving to uh, a co-owner role um, and leaving Penske. That was kind of a, a, one of the storylines of last year. So that being said, we've each uh, come back with these three storylines. Now, Jordan, one thing to tell everybody, we have not, we, we went to the future at different times <laughs> and so we did not maybe see the same version of the future. Um, and so we, we have three different storylines, I think, because we agreed not to share notes because part of the agreement we signed with the time machine was we're not going to compare notes. We're not going to say, this is what I think. This is what I saw. No, like this is, I saw my three things. You saw your three things. So why don't you start with your journey first? What's, what's one of your storylines? And, and I will react to it after you share it and tell me why that why it was a storyline i i just want to say i feel very much like we're marty mcfly and biff tannen which one's you oh that's a good question uh well you're kind of the bully so i would say you're biff wow wow okay well all right <laughs> tell me marty uh what did the future hold for you it's been something we've heard a lot about what is going to happen, what this, the byproduct of this next-gen car is. And I just don't want to say that it's the next-gen car overall because that's just too broad of a topic. Let's, let's hone in a little bit. And one of the key things about this car that, that has been much discussed is the competitive balance that it is going to bring between the big teams and the small teams. And that competitive gap is going to narrow, and, and teams like Front Row Motorsports – uh, JTG, Rick Ware Racing, even a, a you know an RFK Racing are now going to be able to compete on a 
a more level playing field against the likes of Stuart Haas Racing, Hendrick Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, and Team Penske. Looking at this year in a look-back manner, I think we're going to realize that the competitive gap hasn't really changed at all and that you can only do so much to narrow that gap. But at the end of the day, the big teams are the big teams for a reason, and they're still going to dominate this sport. They're still going to win the vast majority of the races. They're still going to get the bulk of the drivers in the playoffs. And at the end of the year, when you look at the championship four field, we're not going to have a Cinderella-esque story. We're not even probably going to have a really a, a Cinderella outside-the-box story in the, the uh, round of eight. It is going to be the big, min- the, the big fish are going to continue to swim in this pond and eat up the minnows. That is the nature of racing. It is generally always the nature of racing. And despite everyone's best efforts to minimize uh, or to, to shrink that gap, if you will, it, it, it's not going to matter. The next-gen car is still going to produce the haves and the have-nots, and that is, uh, that is me looking ahead, coming back from the future. So when you were in the future, um, did you happen to notice that there was any maybe strange names in the playoffs? Like how many – you don't have to tell us who, but how many of like the – you know, maybe smaller teams were able to win a race and at least make the playoffs. I know you're saying they didn't make the round of eight, but, but that's not, but even if a a small team, yeah, there are going to be small teams win races. And we saw that last year, you know, Michael McDowell won a race. Um, You know, we, we, we saw AJ Allmendinger and colleague racing and, you know, win a race, Uh, a part-time, you know, cup series team win a race. Um, We've seen Spire Motorsports win a race. So it's not, whether these teams can can pull off a surprise victory along the way because we've seen it. it it happens we saw austin Dillon a few years ago at texas motor speedway you know get the restart of his life and win that race these things happen they're always going to happen it's whether or not these teams can consistently run up front when race is and and, and that and the likes of that 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 isn't just i don't think that's going to happen but how how many though how many uh Sort of non traditional yeah. I think you get two or three, you know. You've seen you've been to the future. Tell us. (laughs) Um I would say you're gonna have two surprise winners this year, but that's gonna be the standard. I don't think it's gonna change much. Okay. So my uh my impression from visiting the future and and along the lines of the next gen car was similar to yours in that it's it turned out uh that after about a month or so, the new car was just the race car. And the financial impact obviously is something that still people were still talking about at the end of 2022 um, and saying, you know, this is still going to, you know, maybe even some new owners talking uh, about coming in again. Um, And, you know, it did seem to increase the parity of a lot of races. People told me when I visited the future, but ultimately after, you know, after a little bit, it was just a race car and people stopped focusing so much on what changes it was making. Oh, this race is so different. They just started watching the races and it wasn't so foreign after a little bit. Um, so that will sort of cease to be like the, the next gen will be talked about in terms of what it does sort of off the track more than on the track in a way. Um, because even if it doesn't race well at first, which I don't think uh, people are expecting it to, um, it will, it'll still, uh, it'll come around. People will make gains on it. People will figure it out just like with the, with the COT which is it, really the, it, the COY now it's carved yesterday. <laughs> and you're already seeing that. And you, you've already, you know, as, as teams have gotten their hands on this, it really at that first test, that two day test at Charlotte, when they got on the oval and, and they were able to get laps in the car, that was the feedback from the teams and the crew chiefs was, yes, this is new. This is different. And there are certainly, there's a lot of different processes. We're going to have to learn and relearn to figuring this out. But at the end of the day, this is a race car. And, you know, the more we're around it, the more we're going to figure out. And to me, what kind of speaking on this is going to be interesting to see how, which team hits on something first and then everyone else plays catch up. And so one team has an advantage for, you know, let's say four or five weeks and then somebody else hits on something and they jump ahead. And then it, I think you're going to see like the seesaw throughout the year, you know, where you're going to have different teams, you know, hit on something for a stretch and then somebody else is going to bump them. To me, that's going to be interesting, but that's part of this car is learning how to figure out what works and what doesn't and what room. And there is very little room to, 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 to play in the sandbox, if you will, and how to make this car go fast. 
So my second storyline um, that I was really, I mean, this is not in order, but I was, I want to do my new car thing first because you had talked about your new car storyline, but I'll tell you what, maybe one of the biggest storylines that I was like kind of blown away with when I visited the future was Kyle Larson. People were saying, what's wrong with Larson uh, compared to, to last year? Um, Hendrick Motorsports overall quote struggles uh, in 2022. I mean, I looked at Kyle Larson's win total, uh, when I went in my time machine, only four wins this year. He, he only gets four wins in 2022, Jordan. That was really surprising to me. I mean, 10, 10 wins in 2021 and everybody's thinking he's a preseason favorite. He's going to go in again. And Hendrick is just so dominant right now. And they've got all these four young drivers and they're all clicking. Not so fast. This, uh, this new car does change things up and, um, maybe it doesn't bring more parity through the entire field in terms of like aspire motorsports, going out there and, and winning a race or a front row, uh, you know, winning a race on, on a mile and a half track or something like that. But among the top teams seems a lot more even, and that takes a big chunk away from Hendrick's win total, uh, to the point where people are like, man, what's wrong with Hendrick? But the thing is nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong with them. They're just, you know, coming back to earth a little bit by their standards as Joe Gibbs racing wins more Penske wins more Stuart Haas wins more again, things like that, that go on. Um, I, and you know, I, I think other teams will, will, uh, pop up from what I've seen. I don't want to give too much away from, from the future, but, um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the big storylines for me is that Hendrick Motorsports will, uh, obviously drop from its win total. That's going to be very obvious because they had clearly the best cars last year in the future. Uh, they don't have, you know, sort of that advantage that they can just rely on every week. And, uh, Kyle Larson's win total drops as a result. That, did that surprise you? Uh, did you see the same thing? It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you know, winning 10 races is something that doesn't happen very often. And you're going, there's going to be a little bit of a come down. I mean, if you look at it historically, uh, I think Jeff Gordon was the last guy to have kind of that type of season back to back, if you will. And it's really hard to do. And I, and I feel like there's, there's not appreciation. I don't want to say appreciation is the right word, but I don't think people have quite put into context just how magnificent and extraordinary Larson's year was. And so anything that kind of... That's what happens less, when you make less, it look too easy. Th- that's a great point. I mean, he did make it look too easy. They just blew everybody's doors off most of the time. And I think you're right. I mean, you know, most years, Kyle Larson wins four races. And in, in your time travels, was Kyle Larson championship four? Was he final eight? Where, where was he? Uh, I, I don't want to give that away. Um, I mean, yes, he definitely makes the final eight, but I, I don't want to give uh, who makes the final four away okay. yet. Because, so, you know, I was that was part of my, my agreement that I signed. <laughs> so Kyle Larson wins four races and, and makes the round of eight. That's a great year. I mean, really, by and large. I mean, we kind of have to recalculate our expectations a little bit. That's a really good year, you know, all things considered, especially with a new car and everything, all those challenges that go along with it. But you come off a year like you had, and you're like, man, what the heck, you know, like it's kind of, it's kind of like Chase Elliott where, you know, Chase Elliott and, I, and I'm using air quotes here, won just twice last year. And yes, what do we expect? He was going to win more. Absolutely. Especially me. I thought he was going to a lot more races, but he followed up a championship winning season by almost winning a championship for the second time, you know, back to back, which is really hard to do. So there's a little bit of that involved here. And that's, it's just, it shows you that this, this format is really, really tough. And when then you throw a new car into it, it makes it even tougher. What is your uh, second storyline f- that you it, saw in the future? This isn't going to be a shock because if you look at the past few years, you know, it, this has kind of become the norm, if you will, you know, but it's going to be, we are going to see a lot of jockeying within silly season. There are going to be some very big names on the move. Can't give away who those are going to be, but this is kind of the standard now in NASCAR for the last few years. We, you know, a couple of years ago, it was Bubba Wallace joining a team owned by Denny Hamlet and Michael Jordan, which nobody foresaw coming last year. Nobody, if you would have said before the year, well, Brad Keselowski is going to join Roush Fenway Racing as a co-owner, he would have been laughed out of the room. Well, that's the reality now. This is the era of, of NASCAR where it really does seem with this next-gen car, you've got new people coming in, trying things, not afraid to, to, to come in and spend money and, and really – they think they have a chance to be competitive because of this car. This is going to continue this year. And when you look at the guys 
that are free agents or are pending free agents because their contracts are coming up. Uh, from what I've been told, this is the list I have, Jeff. You've got a Ryan Blaney, you've got a Chase Elliott, a William Byron, a Tyler Reddick, a Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and an Eric Jones. And that's a partial list. I, I would expect that Chase Elliott and William Byron are absolutely going to re-sign with Hendrick Motorsports. That, that, is, I, I, we, that is the expectation. But you look at the past few years and, you, you know, would you really be shocked if we saw a big name from one of these teams go somewhere or, or something completely out of left field? I just, I, I'm at this point, I'm almost immune to it. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, I had forgotten when I went forward in the future to look up the silly season stuff, so I don't have any information on that. Um, so I'll just take your word for it, but surprising that uh, there was a, a big star that moved, I guess, in a way, because there was already so much shuffling uh, recently. But you're right. I mean, it's it's one of those things that you can't imagine right now, can't really see coming uh, or can't foresee because, you know, like when I asked everybody for that predictions post last year, like where will, where will Brad Keselowski end up, um, I think, whatever, 190 people uh, ended up entering the, the contest, so to speak. And uh, not one person said Roush out of all the guesses of where he'd go. Um, and quite a few said Ganassi, which doesn't even exist anymore. So it just goes <laughs> to the point of like, who, you know, yeah. who could see this stuff coming in a way. Um, and I just want to say like a bar byproduct of this too is we don't know, like a year ago, you know, Trackhouse was coming in. Now Trackhouse has got two teams. You know, colleague is coming in. Ch Chip Ganassi Racing is gone. 2311's got two cars. Um, Junior Motorsports has kicked the tires uh, of moving up to the cup level. Um, GMS is here. You know, Petty is been, I don't know how you want to reorganize or, you know, diminish, whatever the word you want to use there. It's just this, it, it's this ever-changing thing right now. And there's a lot of, we're, we're in a mid of sea of change uh, on a lot of different fronts. And I feel like this is just going to continue forward. What is your uh, your final storyline that you uh, witnessed in the future? All right, let me pull up the list here. Um, the other one I have is I am not going to give this away, and it kind of plays into the the last uh, thing we mentioned. But there is going to be a star veteran driver who announces at some point this season that twenty twenty three is going to be his last and he is stepping away and retiring and moving into the next phase of his career. I'm not going to give it away. 2023. You look at it. So like they're going to go on a full retirement tour next year. Yes, exactly. They're going to announce in 2022 that 2023 is going to be their last full season. Jimmy Johnson had announced before his last full season, he got the retirement tour. Jeff Gordon did it. Tony Stewart did it. This star driver, a champion, is going to announce that 2023 is going to be his last and he is going to go on a goodbye tour. Interesting. And you can't give us any hints on, on who that was. I huh? gave you a hint. I said champion. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, my final uh, storyline that I, I really noticed that jumped out to me from the hot tub time machine was the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you look like a hot tub guy, by the way. Well, I, you know, hot tubs cost money and, uh, I've, I'm paying for two children. So maybe someday when I don't have, <laughs> what when you're children. swinging single days, you're a hot tub guy then, man, I could have. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually had like a nice car I enjoyed back then instead of just a grocery getter type thing. Yeah, it was, you got a lot more money to spend this when you depressing. don't <laughs> anyway. Um, well, that was also before crypto crashed too. So, you know, oh. Jordan, don't I, I think I've made it clear in the last couple of podcasts, but don't don't invest in any crypto right now. It's just not a good. No, time. it seems like a figment of your imagination that you're gonna like cash in and, and and make some you know big amount of money off of this thing that honestly I still don't understand. I talked to Land. I was on Sirius this week co-hosting, and Landon Castle was a guest, and we were talking about his new sponsorship, and like he was explaining it to me, and it just it still I have no comprehension of it whatsoever. Well, I mean, you better get on board. I mean, I think uh, the last thing I saw was over a quarter of Americans now hold at least some sort of crypto, but uh, the crypto market has not been kind so far in 2022. So if you did invest, you would have almost certainly lost uh, some <laughs> portion of what you had. So it'll come back. It'll come back. But uh, anyway, that's not the storyline. Uh, the storyline that I noticed. <laughs> That'd be a good way to go in the future, though. 
Yeah. Uh, the storyline I noticed uh, that was really maybe a surprise to people was the revitalization of the team formerly known as Roush, now RFK Racing. Mm. Brad Kozlowski's move there really uh, made them step up. In fact, um, you know, he, he not only won one race, but he won multiple races uh, in 2022 and Chris Busher noticeably improved as well. I think what happened was, I don't know all the details, but you know, he was highly motivated there. And in addition to, um, you know, him getting some personnel in there that, that was fitting for him and wanting to do things his way a bit. Um, you know, just the fact that the next gen car is, is, uh, you know, creates some parody, uh, that helped them, you know, sort of gain on things faster than you would normally expect. I mean, if, if this was, 2021 and they had to build all their own stuff and try to catch Hendrick and Gibbs and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it would have been a tall order, but they don't have to worry about that. And that results in some sort of immediate gains for them. Uh, both their cars finish higher in points. Like I said, Keselowski multiple wins. And, uh, I think people will be talking about that at the end of the year, at least based on what I saw, um, some positive news coming for Roush Keselowski, Roush Fenway Keselowski, uh, according to the time machine. So, uh, yeah, what do you think about that? This would be an I told you so moment for Brad because I think it's fair to say a lot of people were skeptical of this decision to leave the powerhouse that is Team Penske where you know largely you're going to have championship caliber equipment year in and year out and, and winning races and, and contending for that title is almost a given most years. Not every year, but most years. And going to an organization that has definitely fallen back to the pack People are looking at, I mean, I looked at this. I'm like, you know, you're in your prime. Like, this is not a move that you make in your prime years. But Brad is playing the the, the long game. He's he said that. And if he can do this, and apparently he can, according to your prediction, is this is going to be as like, I, I, I was smart. I did the right thing. This is an I told you so moment. I, I bet on myself. I bet on that I was able to bring in the right people and had this vision that I, that I learned from watching Roger Penske and, and running my own truck series team. And that this car was what everyone said it was in terms of the game changer um, competitively. And Brad is top five driver right now. I think I mean ballpark, whatever. He's one of the best drivers on the racetrack. He can win on just about any kind of track there is. Yeah, I mean, you give him good stuff, he's going to get the job done. So it would – I'm uh, – I, I didn't see – let me put it – using your into the future thing, I don't quite see this in my future this year, but I, I can see why people would think this because Brad's Brad deserves the benefit of the doubt. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that you went to an alternate universe and you're off in your <laughs> own world. Uh, I'm yeah. pretty sure I went to the correct future and saw – reality but uh it's it's possible i i was uh i was mistaken and went to the wrong future as well but um <laughs> no i mean look what could be more highly motivating than everybody going oh man uh you know what brad i mean especially brad kozlowski who has always been an outside the box kind of guy he loves proving that his mm -hmm. way was the right way and and everybody else was wrong and you shouldn't have doubted him um so that is i i would think that would be the high the most motivated he's ever been in his career um and I, I think that's going to be something that that it's it's almost a quiet chip on his shoulder. He's not going to be out there going "told you so, told you so," but he's going to let his performance speak for itself and say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I kind of knew this would happen." Um, you know, I, I don't think you'll get much reaction out of him, but um, yeah, I, th I think that's that's what's definitely going to happen. So there's our uh, our visit to the future. Now, um, for this next portion, Jordan. We, we can't reveal uh, exactly how the races went. We have to go back to our non-disclosure agreement. So we have to pretend like we don't know how the races go. But um, on The Athletic this last week, I, I did a list. I ranked all of the 38 Cup Series races from basically like how much I'm looking forward to each one. Um, and I got a lot of people chiming in with their own things. But you on Twitter said, uh, that we we differed a bit. Now, I don't want to go through the whole list. Uh, it's it's right on there for the athletic for everybody to read it. But I'll give you my top three most uh, anticipated races and my bottom three that I'm like least looking forward to, I guess. And then you give me yours so we can see how they they differ. So um, my top three were number one. I'm just absolutely most looking forward to the clash. We've talked a lot about 
on here about what, what a game changer that could be in terms of, you know, will it be future stadium races? Um, I think that, you know, I think I went to, I think Phoenix was my 400th cup race. Mm. Uh, I, wow. I, I didn't realize that till after the season when I go back and update my tally. But so I've been all these races. I've never seen a NASCAR race inside a football stadium. I mean, I guess I've been to, um, you know, Bowman gray, but that's not a, uh, you know, in, in the way that this is like a full NFL type, you know, where super bowl one was and where the Olympics have been, you know, massive 70,000 seat stadium or whatever. Um, so I, I think that's just going to be crazy and it's going to have uh, a lot of hype. The debut of the car, um, you know, it's just going to be fascinating. Such a, a, a small track. I've never seen cup cars on a track this small as well. So that's my number one Daytona 500, obviously got to be up there. Um, that's number two for me. Uh, we don't know what it's going to look like with the next gen car. It's going to be the first points race with them. Um, a lot of hype and buildup is going to come with that. And that'll be fascinating. And then of course the championship race, number three, um, you know, I, I think you could make a case for the championship race being number one, uh, in certain years. But I think the, the, early curiosity factor of how the next gen is going to go is going to bump the early season races up a couple notches. So I'll give you my bottom three in a minute. Why don't you give me your top three most anticipated? Okay. Uh, for, uh, first of all, great list. Love the list. Great idea. Great execution. Um, I had two, uh, on, a, on a side here, I had two races. I really strongly disagreed with you. Well, there's actually three. We're going to get to that in a second, but there's two here. You had Atlanta ranked 13. You had Watkins Glen 22nd. I probably would have bumped those up. Atlanta, I gave strong consideration to putting into my top three. Uh, I just, I'm fascinated to see what this is like, if this works, if this idea of basically turning Atlanta into, you know, a smaller version of Daytona or Talladega actually does prove to be what they think it's going to be. Because if that's the case, then that, you know, that could all sorts of possibilities elsewhere. So, but great list, loved it. And number one, though, on my list is the Coliseum, like you, not a surprise. And I'll even say this, this this is not an exaggeration when I say this. I really, from the conversations I've had with people, both people who consider themselves fans, people who don't consider themselves fans, people within the industry itself, I think there is more anticipation and more excitement for the Coliseum and what the racing is going to be like there and what the and I don't mean this derogatory because sometimes this word can be the spectacle of what the clash is going to be at a football stadium than the Daytona 500. I, I know that sounds crazy, but with all of the hype, everything, the buildup for this, everything going into it, the, the teasing videos and NASCAR's put out the images and seeing it on social media. I really honestly feel like there is more hype and more excitement for this race than there is the Daytona 500. When's the last time, we watched a NFL playoff game and maybe I missed it. And maybe I missed it. When's the last time we watched an NFL playoff game and we didn't see a Daytona 500 promo endlessly, but we were getting previews for the clash. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, like I'm serious. Like, I just, to me, I honestly believe, I think more people are looking forward to this, just what this represents and everything that goes along with it than the Daytona 500. This is number one and it's not even close. Yeah, I mean it's the great unknown. It's the great unknown. So I mean that's that's the, the curiosity factor of it. Even even after the very first time of this race, it let's say they want to do it again, it's never going to be quite as like the peak curiosity as the first time you do it. Probably just like the NHL Winter Classic, right? Like yeah, those, I think remember that's those fair. first Winter Classics, you're just like, "Wow, what is what is this all about?" And then, you know, now they have a few and, you know, you're like, "Ah, oh, you know, but I missed it this year, whatever, but yeah. You know, they try to change the venues. They did it on Lake Tahoe or, uh, you know, you yeah, know, but, it, but Lake, like but. the winter classic, the, but like the winter classic though, it's about the, what's going on, the extracurricular stuff. It's the scenery, you know, it's like, right, it's right, on right, Tahoe. Right. It's like, it looks pretty at the end of the day. It's like, Oh, it's a hockey game outside. I've kind of seen that at the end of the day, this stadium, this course, I mean, it's a short track. This is what the track is going to be like at all these stadiums. Cause you really are kind of limited on what you can do, but it's going to be, Oh wow. That's in the Coliseum or, Oh Wow wow, New York City is a backdrop or this or that. That's what it's going to be. But yeah, it, it, I think you make a great point. It is the great unknown. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. So, uh, what is your number two and number three then? Okay. Um, I'm cheating here a little bit. And you can call me out for it you want to, but I, that's okay. Uh, and I combine these. I, I said the Martinsville-Bristol playoff races. Just because having these two classic short tracks as cutoff races in the playoffs, we saw last year what that means. It means intensity. It means old school, knock them out of the way, pissed off at you, (laughs) slamming helmets, pointing fingers, getting mad. That's what NASCAR is about. And these, to me, are some of the best, most exciting races of the year. And it's anything can happen. We've seen it time and time again at Martinsville. Um, it, it really, especially since NASCAR's moved this race to the cutoff uh, to set up the championship for. To me, I, I, I've said this before, if you're a non-NASCAR fan, this is the race to go to because this is like a ballroom brawl. Um, and Bristol, if Bristol, they, they, it, it, what else do you say? So I'm, I'm cheating a little bit, but just I'll just say this. Short track racing in the playoffs. How's that? No, that that's completely cheating. I mean, yeah. so you're saying those are your number two and three? Because no, no, that's like my 2A and 2B. I've got a third here. So you're saying both Martinsville and Bristol night race, are you're looking forward to those races more than, than the Daytona 500 and the Phoenix Championship race. Do I, yes. Am I hearing you correctly? Yes. I am more entertained, both as an observer and as someone who covers it, by what happens at Bristol and Martinsville, and more excited about the possibilities than I am the championship race. Okay. I mean, well, let's find that's it. your that's uh, your two and three then. No, no, no. My, that's a two A and a two B. Again, I acknowledge I'm cheating a little bit here, but I'm combining it to combo platter, you know, two for one special kind of thing. Okay, sure. What's your uh, next one then? Okay, I am <laughs> Bristol Dirt. I am looking for. Can we just? Uh, no, I I hear what you're saying. What you wrote in your piece, and I want to give it away if you haven't checked it out. Please go to theathletic.com and read it because Jeff's synopsis of what the Bristol dirt race is, is I think it's very fair. Is it critical? Yes, but it's fair. However, I am curious to see what year two of Bristol dirt is. It's going to be at, you know, can NASCAR solve its problems of having a cup series race on dirt? Can it eliminate the dust? Can it put on a better product? Does it have, does it no longer have to make a, a mid-race rule change of single-file restarts. What does year two represent? Because I will say this. I am curious about all this because this is almost a crossroads. If year two at Bristol Dirt is similar to how year one went, I think it's it's very much a toss-up of whether the experiment continues. But if NASCAR, after testing the car on dirt after trying to do different things and and solve the the issues that plagued it last year can figure this out then this may become a staple on the calendar so that is why i'm looking forward to it i love the expression right now on your face you look like the disappointed dad whose kid came home with the worst report card ever you're only putting this up no, there I'm to not. antagonize me you don't no, really mean no, that no i am not you're not looking forward to bristol dirt 
more yes, than you're I looking am. forward to finding out who wins the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series championship. As a, at I, I looked at it as a singular race thing, and this to me is is intriguing. I mean, I mean, I the possibilities for this are, you know, I mean, if, if you it are not to, looking forward to Mister to if, Bristol if it, Dirt more than you're looking forward to finding out what happens in the first because points if we're race. Gonna, if, if we're going to go by your standard, okay, the, we're going to have like every year the top three, two of the top three are going to consist of the Daytona 500 and whatever the championship race is, and then a third one is going to be something else so why even have this argument then or this discussion of what the top three races are daytona 500 championship race great that's fun give me something else it's like it's okay for something else to to slide in here at times and to me bristol dirt is intriguing i don't think daytona 500 is automatically always in the top three i think it's the fact that you have a the next gen element of it first super speedway race we haven't seen how these cars go in a big one uh, are they safe? We don't know. Um, we haven't seen a, a crash with these, a multi-car crash with these like that um, at high speeds. So we don't know. I mean, there's there's a whole part of this. It's like, you know, again, with the debut of the car, that's that helps the Clash in Daytona move up in the top three for me. Like I said, I mean, sometimes it could be Phoenix that could be number one or Martinsville two or Bristol Night Race, which are four and five, number four and five for me. But I mean, the fact that you're putting Bristol dirt in, it's only because I put it number it's 31 not, on my I'm list. I'm telling you, it's got nothing to do with that. If you like dirt so much, then why don't you go to freaking Chili Bowl and Knoxville Nationals <sighs> and late model races and World of Outlaw races? Dirt, it, this isn't even real dirt racing. This is just like, sorry, you're making me drop stuff off my desk. I'm you're gesturing. So so. right now. It's so great. It's so stupid. It's just so stupid. It's not even a sincere argument. I can't even. It's, it's, I, I am not. There is no BS. I am being sincere in my list. There, this wasn't. I didn't. When I put together my list, you didn't even cross my mind. Not you know. I know you think that you, I constantly think about you. You know, continually and want to antagonize you. But in this instance, that's not true. I literally came up with my list on what the three most anticipated races. Don't shake your head. This is the truth. Can I back up? Okay. First of all, you're saying, well, I'm so curious to see if it's, if they've solved the dirt issues this year, if it's yeah. a better race or it's not going to be, you don't it's know not going to be a better race. I do. Well, you can go back in your time machine there, Marty. And also I can tell you Atlanta is not going to be what you think it is either. So Atlanta you, is not, uh, what? I, I, I don't disagree. Like I, I don't, I'm, I'm skeptical do you think about Atlanta, Atlanta. Do you think Atlanta is really going to be a super speedway race where they're in a pack the whole time running around like Daytona and Talladega and no, they're not going to break apart and be single file and then be completely unable to pass at 510 no, horsepower? I, I don't, do you really yeah. think it's going to work? Do I know? No. Am I skeptical? Yes. Absolutely. I am very But you're skeptical. so anxious to find out that you're going to almost put it in your top. I am curious to see what it's like because it's we don't know and who knows. But it's the novelty of it. It's the newness of it. If there was a figure eight race, you could say, I don't really know how this is going to turn out. I'm excited to see how it's going to turn out, but you'd if really, there was know a figure eight race out. that would probably make my top three. Okay. What's your bottom three then? <laughs> You're so What's angry. Your bottom three. Oh man. I feel like you just came up with this idea just to argue with me. Uh, I wrote my whole list and then I just said, Hey, you, you're the one that tweeted at me. Oh, that's, I, I disagree with you on some of this. So I wanted to hear your opinions. Now I'm sad. I asked, but what are your, uh, what are your bottom? Three? Uh, do you want me to go very bottom or do you want me to work towards the very bottom? Give me 36, then 37, then 38. Okay. 36 is the Coca-Cola 600. I, I just, I have raved. I have ranted about this race before. It's just 600 miles. It is too long. It doesn't test man. It doesn't test machine. This race is a crown jewel race, and it's one of those crown jewel races that everybody looks at and just shrugs their shoulders. Like, it, it's just not exciting. It's not entertaining. It is long, single file racing where one guy, more often than not, for many years now, just whoops the field. It's just not, it's just tough. It's a tough watch. It's tough to be entertained by this. And it's unfortunate because this is supposed to be a race that means something. And it just feels like it's slowly diminishing. Okay. That's, that's fair. I didn't have that in my bottom three, but I'll be honest with the Coke 600. Um, you know, the last few years I've, I've been the Indy 500. And by the time I get out of the track, 
done writing my stories and all that stuff, um, you know, it's, it's over halfway through the Coke 600. Sometimes I think I got back last year to watch like the final, maybe 50 miles or something. So I, you know, I'm keeping track of it on Twitter and stuff, but I'm not watch, sitting there watching all four and a half hours or whatever it is. And so maybe I ranked it a little too high based on that. But, um, I, I do think that the car's difficulty to drive could make things sure. spicy That's a good point. this year. That's a fair um, point. So hopefully that'll make it better. But what's your, uh, what's your number 37 then? Spring Kansas race. Kansas is one of those tracks that has two races every year. And we all look at it and go, why? Um, NASCAR's done a really good job with the schedule uh, of shuffling it up tracks that used to be on the schedule that had two dates and probably didn't deserve them. If have had those kind of taken away, there's been some tracks that had a single date. They weren't very good. They've been falling off the schedule. And we look at Kansas, it's still got two dates and one of them's in the playoffs, which scratches my head and the others in the spring. And it's just like, why, what, what is the redeeming factor of having two races at Kansas each year? I, I don't see it. Well, that's also my number 37. So, um, in fact, that was extremely predictable to you when, when I said what I was oh, doing with the storyline, I said, you said, can I guess your, your bottom one? And you nailed that one, which yeah, I was going to, uh, then thanks I, for ruining said, it, by I, the way, can I guess the next one? And you got that one too. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sure we, do we have the same last yeah. one? I mean, it's, I was gonna, I was gonna say the same thing, which is when you, came to me this idea and we kind of kicked around a couple things. I'm like, Hey, what is your last one? I'm like, this is a no brainer. I mean, it's, it's a Texas all-star race. Like, I, I don't know how anybody is looking forward to this. It is a race that is, it has no relevance anymore on a boring track that is beyond any fix at this point, other than taking a bunch of dynamite, and blowing the damn thing up and starting over from scratch. Cause I don't know what you do to fix that thing. Maybe the new car will solve all the problems there. That would be great. I'm just, I, I just doubt it. <laughs> I don't want to say it's not going to happen, but I'm skeptical. Uh, the all-star race itself. It's just, it doesn't really do anything anymore. It's redundant. It, you know, the format, we, we, we have this kind of racing. I've said it before. It's like, we have stages now. We have double file restarts. We have all of these things that used to be novelty in the all-star race we see on an every week basis. This race doesn't have a place on the schedule anymore. This race needs to be different. It needs to separate itself from all of the other races on the schedule. It needs to be what the clash is. If this race is going to have any relevancy, it is moving this race to some small short track everywhere on a rotating basis. And being like, wow, this is NASCAR's field of dreams game, you know, like Major League Baseball does. Of, oh, wow, this year they're going to, to Hickory. Next year they're going to, you know, pick any, you know, going to Winchester in Indiana. It's got to be that kind of thing. That is, to me, is the only way you can bring back some of the luster of this all-star race. Other than that, I just, I don't see it. Yeah, obviously, uh, all-star races at the bottom for me as well. Um, you know, for so many years, even in addition to your, the things you're talking about, whether it was double file, you know, shootout style, that was only in the all-star race or things like that. I mean, the $1 million for a while was, I mean, they used to make commercials of like, wow, mm -hmm. who's going to win a million dollars. Now it's like, ah, like, oh, Kevin Harvick or Kyle Larson, they won another million dollars. Yeah, exactly. Okay, like, wow, big deal, big whoop. You know, um, I mean, if you're going to say like 5 million or something, I'd be like, whoa, that's a lot. Uh, you know, it's still like which rich driver can get richer kind of thing. I mean, if maybe they're going to give it to a fan or something, or there would be some drama element of it. You I mean, need, like the drivers to put up their own million dollars. Like if, you know, like there's 20 drivers in the all-star race, they all kick in a million dollars. And then it's like, oh, Kevin Harvick is now out a million dollars. Then that's intriguing. <laughs> what they should do is they should say, okay, here's the cost for drivers to opt out and have a week of vacation. And then all the drivers who opt out and pay this fee, it's like, say it's a hundred thousand bucks or 200,000 bucks or whatever that all goes into the prize pool for the winner who decides to go race. So they get all this extra money of all the drivers who are vacationing or something like that. Anyway. Many, okay. Here's a fun game. Let's say there's 20 drivers in the all-star race and it was a hundred thousand dollars to opt out of the all-star race at Texas motor speedway. How many drivers of those 20 are opting out? Is it a normal year where there's only, uh, like, is it, or is it like where there's one off week? Like there is this it's year, this year, 
I would say at least seven would opt out. Oh, so I think it's higher. I think it's high, I think it's significantly higher than that. No, because you'd have this you'd have this thing where like you'd you'd have oh you know you guys don't want to race you know you're not real racers and then you'd have like a guy like Larson or something go yeah you know what I'll do it you know and they'd, no you know, Larson would racer. opt out and go race on a dirt track somewhere. Uh, maybe he likes. Vacations. And then the argument of you're not a racer, by the way, is diminished because he's racing on some dirt track anyway, somewhere. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, so can I, like, you know, this is this. Uh, you know, pe- feel free to just fast forward through the next uh, two minutes of this podcast or whatever if you don't want to hear this because. Uh, you gonna yell at me again, or what did that? No, I was gonna give my all-star format that I keep harping on oh, every, right. once every couple years. But the thing is giving your personal all-star format has like become like the conversation of, Hey, can I tell you about how my fantasy football team this week oh my did this God. week? Like everybody plays fantasy oh. football, but nobody wants to hear about your team. Like nobody wants to hear who's on your team or how you did in your playoffs. Like people talking about their kids. <laughs> everybody wants to talk about their own kids. They don't want to hear anybody else's kids. I'm just going to skip past that part. Anyway, well, now you're definitely hearing my all-star format and I don't even feel bad about it. I think what they should do is oh, your face. Um, no segments, no cautions necessarily, anything like that um, until, so you start with 20 cars, right? Every say like five laps, the current last place running car drops off the track and is eliminated. So it doesn't matter how bad the racing is at the front of the field or that Kyle Larson's winning or dominating, whatever, because the cameras are focused on, oh gosh, here's 18th and 19th. They're racing hard. Who's going to be eliminated? Oh, at the line, Ryan Priest has to go back to the garage or whatever. He had just raced his way in from the all-star race, uh, from the all-star open. He is eliminated. Now there's 17 cars left or whatever. And you know, and so, so they keep going, keep going. There might be cautions, might bunch people up. That would be even crazier because then there'd be a real scramble. Anyway, when there's four cars left, after, after all those laps, they throw the caution. There's only four cars left. They all get to come in. They don't get to change their order. They all take new tires. Everybody's on completely equal tires. Four cars left, two rows, two laps, shootout, go. That's the all-star race. I love it. This is brilliant. I, I love it. It's fantastic. And I, I think you're right. People aren't going to be focused on what's not happening at the front of the field. It's going to be about the back half of the field. And then you're going to have a two-lap shootout where you know something crazy is probably going to happen. And all people are going to talk about is the finish. I, I love it. I, I don't see anything wrong with this idea. And this is an idea to save the All-Star Race. If all of the things that NASCAR's tried, this idea needs to be implemented this year. Well, that's not going to happen. I've mentioned this several times. Nobody pays attention. It it really does fall on deaf ears. Like as if I was talking about my fantasy football team or in your case, my children. So, uh, anyway, uh, by the way, I I didn't get to go. I didn't get to go. Uh, we, we agreed on the final bottom two races. I didn't get to mention that my number 36 race was the second Richmond race, which used to be for years. It was very important race because it was the regular season cutoff. Then they said, well, we're going to take the reason regular season cut off away from you. Not really working so much anymore. It's not so many fireworks as it used to be. So we're going to take that, but we're going to move you into the playoffs. Okay. Richmond. Yes. You know, no problem. Okay. That's great. Uh, now it's, it's not in the playoffs or the regular season cutoff. It's just on a Sunday afternoon in August. It's just another race. And I feel like Richmond, as we've talked about poor Richmond, we we're so hard on it, but, um, it just hasn't been so great recently. So I'm just, I'm not looking forward to it and I'm not like dreading it. Like I am the all-star race, but, um, it's just like, how do you get sort of hyped up for just, it's just Richmond. It's just another race in August. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't do anything for no, me. The, that's all. The, the only saving grace. And, and I don't know if this is much of a saving grace is that it is, if you look at how the schedule sets up in August, it's Watkins Glen and Daytona and then the playoffs. And so Richmond is the last quote unquote regular track, if you will, that if you're, you need a win, you have an opportunity to get into the playoffs. And so maybe some of that classic short track mentality carries through. It's hard. I feel bad criticizing Richmond because there's so few short tracks on the schedule. And we always talk about, we want more short tracks and here we've got a great short track and just the racing 
we've talked about this is the racing is just not good. It hasn't been good, at least consistently good. And it's unfortunate. And I hope this new car is one of those racetracks where it works because this is a racetrack that has got the ingredients there. It's just, it's not working right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and I do think there's, there's a, an optimism there, a, a potential optimism there, at least because like when you look at a track like Dover, for instance, Dover used to race better before mm-hmm. this recent model car. I feel like, I mean, that used to be a decent race. Um, I mean, there was one Dover race that was like one of the best finishes I've seen. You know, it was like a three-way finish, I think, between like Kenseth and Biffle one year. Yeah, you had Um, Kyle Larson and Matt Kenseth one year going at it. That was good, too. That was good, too. Yeah. Um, But there was like this three-way. Maybe it was Edwards, too. It was like maybe Edwards, Kenseth, Biffle or something like that. Uh, They were all battling like really late. Uh, It was just a really good race. And just like, man, Dover. Um, but then it just didn't race as well. I don't know if it's, it's the tire combination with the car or whatever, but maybe, you know, the new car could change things, not even designed that way for a certain track, but just maybe it's, it's just better for certain tracks than others. So, um, well, undoubtedly it will be, we, we don't know the consequence of it, but it will certainly favor, you know, change the balance of things a little bit, just like well with the drivers who are maybe a little bit better at driving this kind of car than the previous model. So you don't know, we don't know. We're just this is just sitting here in January trying to come up with, you know, how much enthusiasm can I muster for Pocono, Michigan, Indianapolis road course, things like that. I so. differ on that one too, by the way, I'm the Indianapolis road course. I wasn't offended. I mean, I'm not diminishing the issues with the chicane. That was the circus and it shouldn't have happened and very preventable, but I still think the racing, if you take that aside, the racing was darn good. And I'm much more entertained by a road course race in Indianapolis Motor speedway than an oval race at Indy. So I think I thought you had that too low. Uh, no, just um, let's just go back to you seeing it on the oval. Then if, it was if a hor- we, we complained about the racing there all of the time. It was a boring race, but it mattered because it was on the oval. The being running the road course at the Brickyard, you know, and then kissing the bricks like you won the Brickyard 400. It's not the Brickyard 400. If you're going to go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, do the Brickyard 400, or just don't go there. Go to IRP. Otherwise, I, what's the point of going? I mean, I, I guess it's because, you know, world class facility in a great racing town and sponsors, is, but there's still an allure of going to Indianapolis Motor Speedway, even if you're not in the Oval. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think they need to go back to the Oval at some point soon, but um, I'm not in charge. Are you uh, okay with an alternate one year Oval, one year road course? No. No, no it has to, to be one or the other. Then. Why? Just go to the, because if you want to be at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, run the track that the Indy 500 runs on, run on the oval. That's what stock cars should do. And if you say, you know what? It's just not good enough. It's just not a good product. Then just say, look, we love going here. We love being in Indianapolis. Do some promo fun races there or something, you know, like when you're promoting the IRP race, you can do all your backdrops at IMS and talk about IndyCar or something but just run IRP. I, I don't know. Let Indianapolis motor speedway promote IRP. I do something to give them some money. If, if they're worried about them taking money from Roger Penske or something, but I, I don't know. I just, again, like I think that by the way, there were some pretty decent, uh, crazy, at least brickyard 400s toward the end of its run. Sure. Um, I mean, maybe a little too crazy sometimes when it was getting dark and the Casey Kane race and, you know, when that was wild, still one of the wildest races I've ever covered. Yeah. Anyway, um, Jordan, before we go, uh, you know, you, I, I see as we talk here, uh, on this weekend, you've, you've recently posted a story on the uh, NASCAR hall of fame induction. You got to attend that. Um, I, I won't spoil it for people, but a really nice read on sort of behind the scenes of talking to people, uh, you know, about Dale jr's induction. Did you enjoy, uh, witnessing all that uh this last friday night it was really cool and i i always am taken back by the connection that dale has with his fans um it's something that i don't see a lot of with our drivers I'm not saying that our drivers don't care about their fans or anything like that but there is just this deeper connection that dale has with his fans that you just it's hard to to replicate and it reminded me of a story i did back in 2015 at talladega 
uh, when Earnhardt won, and it was her, his first Talladega win in a long time. And it's just, I was able to witness some fans, and they had this connection there because it's Talladega, and there's the Earnhardts there and everything. And it just kind of took me back to that of just how that bond is. And it's just, it's interesting to see. And the other thing that jumped out to me too, and I'd be remiss not to say this, is the fact that there was quite a few people that came up to me. They were fans of the podcast. And that was really, really cool to say, they, they, to see. They came up to me. They introduced themselves. They, they said how much they liked the podcast. Um, I actually interviewed uh, one of them for the story. <laughs> so it's, uh, it was really cool to see and to, to hear that. And, the, and we've talked about it. But the feedback and the reception we get for doing this, is it blows my mind. Because this, to me, is the my favorite hour of the week, is sitting here talking racing with you and what's going on and having fun and you making fun of me and me poking you and it's uh, that people like it is, is really neat. And so not to diminish from the hall of fame or anything and take that away, but that I, I just feel like I need to say that, but the, the event itself was neat. And um, I think Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to be one hell of an ambassador ambassador for the hall of fame. Absolutely. I mean, he's such a great ambassador for the sport in general. He cares. He wants to make it bigger and better and give back and, um, you know, some people and look, and, and I don't fault people for doing this, but you know, we've definitely seen people come through NASCAR where once they're done with it, they're done. And you know, they've gotten what they wanted out of it. And, or maybe they spent so long in it that they're just ready for something else, ready to move on. And, and you just don't really see them or hear about them much after they leave. And that's fine. I mean, everybody's ready for something different, but obviously Dale has spent his entire life, um, in and around racing and it's very important to him. And it seems like he's going to continue to spend the rest of his days trying to help NASCAR and, and, you know, move the sport forward. And, um, you know, you got to applaud that when you see people doing that as well. So that's, that's really cool. That, uh, and you know, I'll tell you what the funniest thing is. I wrote probably like the most obvious column, like Taylor and our junior is such a worthy person. Very well the hall. Thank you. Um, but I got so much pushback from random people. Like, you're just saying this is only, he's only because of, uh, you know, he's a nice guy or whatever, blah, blah, Like, dude, he had 26 wins, including two Daytona 500s and two Xfinity Series championships. If you look at who is in the Hall of Fame, like pretty much 20 cup wins is the magic number to make the Hall of Fame. Even though they've reduced the amount of uh, people that go in each year, it's not five automatically anymore and there's two modern era people. If you go go to Wikipedia or, or J Ski or whatever, look at the Hall of Fame, look at the all-time wins list. They highlight who's already in the Hall of Fame among uh retired drivers who are eligible. Everyone over 26 wins is in. And I think it's even lower than that, whatever the mark is. So it's an absolute no-brainer if you get 26 cup series wins, you will be in the Hall of Fame, whether you win a championship or not. That's like, I can't believe people are going, you don't deserve the Hall of Fame. It's watering down the Hall of Fame. Dude, there's people with way fewer wins in the Hall of Fame. I hate to break it to you. Go look at the list. Um, Jordan, uh, I'm going to talk about something here that is going to draw me some criticism. And I'm well aware it's going to draw me some criticism. And I don't say this on Twitter. and I don't advertise this very much uh, because it's just a very unpopular thing to say, I think. or uh, Anyway, but it concerns... Uh, the Rolex 24 and IMSA racing. So um, as we record this, you are about to go to the roar, which is the, uh, the practice, the test session mm -hmm. one week before the Rolex. And then this time next week, next weekend will be the 24 hours of Daytona, the Rolex 24. I I've covered that one time. Um, and I'll be honest. Okay. Like I try, I've really tried over the years, I've been, you know, decade and a half now of, of covering racing and stuff to get into all forms of racing. Obviously over time, uh, I used to, you know, I, my gateway into racing was just NASCAR. I started watching NASCAR. Then I kind of added IndyCar. Then I kind of added in formula one. Then I added in dirt, um, Supercross got into, you know, stuff like that. But for whatever reason, and I can't, I just can't really put my finger on it. I've always had a hard time getting into sports car racing. I, I just can't do it. It doesn't, like grip me. I see people on Twitter love it and they're so enthusiastic about it. And I, so I'm not, I don't want to be like that person. It's like, yeah, I don't care about this. And but you're going to be that person. No, but what I'm, what I'm saying to you is <laughs> you're, you're covering these races. So can you pitch me 
and maybe if not you, then somebody on Twitter or whatever, tell me what, what am I missing? What, what, what is the hook here to that? People like just love endurance racing so much, um, and sports car racing. Sure. Tell me why, what I'm missing about this that I, that would help me get more into it. If I, if I decide to watch this next weekend. Sure. I like seeing all of the different classes of cars on the racetrack at once. I like seeing the faster prototypes have to navigate these slower, uh, the production class cars and the traffic and managing that and managing the 24 hour race, uh, having to navigate, you know, parts failures and everything that goes along with it. I like that. This is a team thing and, and racing itself is team. We talk about that pit crews, et cetera, et cetera, but driver changes and you've got different drivers of skill sets and having to race through the night in the wet and, and navigating traffic at the same time. Um, it's fascinating. And I like seeing all the different manufacturers um, together. I mean, you've got Ferraris on the racetrack with Chevrolets and Audis and uh, Lexus and just every, all of this. And I will give you this, Jeff. I think this year's Rolex 24 is lacking a lot of buzz, a lot of buzz for a lot of different reasons. One, it does seem like the star power this year is a little bit lesser. Um, you know, last two years ago, Kyle Busch was over here running it. Last year, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott were both running in, in the top class. They're not doing – Jimmy's there this year, but Chase is not. It's just the new that, – that, that fresh driver coming in and you know, kind of living things up is not there. But I think looking ahead to next year, I think there is going to be so much there, – there already is. There is so much anticipation. And when it comes around, there's going to be so much buzz because of the, the regulation changes and how – Sports cars kind of uniting, and Ferrari is returning to Daytona to, and, and ra racing for the overall win. And the same cars that are running for the overall win at Daytona are going to go over and race at Le Mans. That is really cool. Um, so to me, Daytona is a representation of it's kind of a, a lesser version, but in some ways of IROC. You've got a lot of different drivers from a lot of different series coming here and racing together. I love it. I understand why you maybe don't because it is a different type of racing. It's not sprint car racing where it's tight and guys are running all over each other and they're sliding and that kind of thing. It is a different animal, but it's still entertaining. Okay. That's fair. And, and obviously look, I mean, um, uh, I hope people do enjoy it. I don't want to diminish any, anything that people, other people enjoy. I mean, that's a really a jerk thing to do is, when you uh, hear people in life say, hey, I really enjoy this TV show or I really enjoy watching this. And they say, that's stupid. So I'm not saying that at all. I'm just personally, and that's why I don't say anything about it. I don't want to, I don't want to discourage people from watching or being interested in it. Certainly, um, you know, and I'm not trying to, you know, diminish it. I just personally have had a hard time over the years getting into, getting into it. I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I think the classes are, confusing to me too. Like, I mean, DPI, LMP2, LMP3, GT, uh, GTGD pro GTG class. Like I, you know, you're like, wait, who's in which one? And sure. is this better? Or wait, or like, what does it mean if, if you're in this one? Like, is this like the, like, I don't know. Is this like a lesser car? Like if you run this one or like you not as good or something, or is it lower budget? Like, I don't understand all this stuff. And again, I covered the race. I tried to get into it and stuff. And I just, uh, you know, I don't know. I, anyway. Um, so maybe we won't talk about that on the podcast next week if I don't watch it. Cause I don't know what I'm talking about, but, um, anyway, that's coming up next week as well. And, uh, if you are into it, Jordan will have excellent coverage from there. I'm quite certain. Um, Jordan, any final thoughts about this week uh, as we move forward here into, I think, uh, we're only two weeks now from the clash and four weeks from the Daytona 500. I've said it before. It feels like racing seasons here. There's a lot going on, a lot of news out there that's coming out. There's cars on the racetrack. I know you don't like it, but the roars this weekend, we had the chili bowl last weekend. It's just racing seasons here, man. It's good. It's very good because, uh, I'm getting more and more restless all the time about like, I got to cover something, uh, you know, let's go, let's, let's get the season going. Um, I think NASCAR should, start it even earlier in the future. Um, the case. I, I, I want the earliest. I think, gosh, it was some, it was some show on uh serious or some podcast. Who was I listening to? Whoever, whoever was talking about this recently, I apologize. Maybe it was, I think it was the morning drive. I was listening one morning. I used to run a riverside in January. 
for no, ever. no. But the the morning drive, uh, sometime in the last week or so, was they were asking listeners whether they would rather start the season like early and finish early, or start it a little bit later and go later, like go right up to Thanksgiving, you know, or would you rather start it like as, you know, in January and then finish, you know, late October, early November mm. kind of thing. I mean, it's the same, same length of season, but shift it one way or the other, which you prefer. To me, the answer would be start it earlier and finish earlier only because it's like we've talked about, as soon as January 1st rolls around, I'm kind of getting ready-ish. So you're wrong. shaking your head. Okay. No, because you do that. I mean, we talk about this. You go ahead. And, you, you go. NASCAR's got a problem now of competing against the NFL in the fall, right? That's yeah. not the playoffs. You start the season in January. Not only are you going, to be going head-to-head against NFL still, you'll be going against the end of the season where the games matter more and it's more intense and people are more interested. Then it's going to roll over into the playoffs and the Super Bowl. What kind of coverage is NASCAR going to get going against NFL playoff games? I'm sorry. That's that's a no-win proposition. You're right. No, that's a very – I mean, I'd say that's a great point, and it would be very tough to go against that argument. Um, I mean, you have to get extremely creative as they did with the clash this year where, I mean, going and, and running a race and then taking two, you know, a week off or whatever, and then going back to Daytona. I mean, when we were all coming up with our fictional fantasy schedules for years, that wasn't even an option, you know, like you would just think, okay, you're going to start the season and just go. Um, so anyway, yeah, no, it's, it's a great point. Hard to argue with that, but I'm just saying, I guess in a fantasy world, I'd like to get going, but. Anyway, we're going to get going soon enough either way. So uh, we appreciate you listening as always. And uh, I agree with Jordan's sentiments earlier. It's been nice. Uh, look at, uh, of course, the numbers of people who listen to the podcast. And it's like, oh, wow, there's, uh, you know, compared to last year at this time, it seems like our, our audience has uh, stuck with us from the end of last season where we sort of started picking people up in the playoffs and things like that. And then the summer, it's gotten stronger and you guys are still around. Thanks. That's, that's really cool of you. We don't know why you listen, but we're appreciative that you do. Um, we certainly enjoy doing this every week as Jordan said. So thanks. And we'll get back to actual, uh, post-race podcasts soon enough here. So until then, uh, everybody, thanks as always for listening. And we will talk to you next time on the tear. Down.